It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Astro Line. Astro Line. Astro Line. Carbach Brewing Company presents Sports Talk 790 Astro Line. Astro Line. The official off-season show of Astros baseball. This is where we talk about your Astros. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag Astroline. That ball is gone. 2019 American League champion. Live from Plucker's Wing Bar on Shepard. Sports Talk 790 Astroline starts now. From Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston. Another edition of Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company. Robert Ford, pleased to be joined by Astros broadcasting legend Bill Brown. Brownie, always good to see you. You, you've been a world traveler to France and Spain. And, and Amsterdam and, and Amsterdam. Belgium. Oh, wow, yes. let's get the whole list complete. How and, was it? And North Carolina. Oh, no, that's, that's in this country. <laughs> that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah no, it, was, it was fantastic. It was the first time I'd ever been... I'd been to Europe, never been there, and just just absolutely fantastic. Went to a soccer match, Real Madrid in Madrid, mm. eighty-five thousand seat stadium for soccer. I've never mm. seen that before. Some and crazy folks there, right? Yeah, and they were they were into it. They <laughs> yeah. were into it. You know, people talk about there's not a lot of scoring in soccer and all this, but like they are into it from the moment that match starts until it's over. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. How about Baggy packing this place tonight, Robert? Yeah, yeah, fantastic audience out here. A great audience here. See some regulars, see a lot of Astros apparel, as we should. And, of course, we'll be joined by Hall of Famer Jeff Bagwell here in, in just a moment. And, I, you know, the holidays are coming up. I know you're excited about that. See your, your grandchildren. I, I know yes. that's always a big time for you and your family. Yes, they're coming to Houston for the first time for Christmas. And uh, we always go to Minnesota and freeze, but we're going to change the pattern this year. And there's plenty to do here, as you know. So, so how long did it take you guys to realize that it's warmer in Houston for Christmas than Minnesota? Uh, about 24 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, glad you finally figured it out. Yeah, that's right. And that your family will be will be coming coming down to Houston. Your family, do they have any uh, unique Christmas traditions? Or yes. Yes, we have a scavenger hunt Christmas morning. Really? And I get to make out the clues, and, and they're usually rhyming, so it takes me, you know, about a week and a half to do rhyming clues. And uh, so we, we plant these cards, and one clue leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. So that's how they get their presents? Yeah. The scavenger they can't, hunt. They can't do the uh, gift unwrapping until we get the scavenger hunt finished. And they have to find the baby Jesus and put him in the cradle, so in the you know, manger. So that's the way we do it. I, I mean... Don't take this the wrong way, Brownie. Yeah. But if you were my grandpa, I would be I would be very mad at you every Christmas day. I'm sure you would. <laughs> yes, you have to be patient in our family. <laughs> but that's for so your grandkids get into it. Yeah, they're fine with it. Yeah. They really are. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so that that should be a lot of fun and of course, you know, the the off season is upon us and has been for a little while. Usually 
around Christmas time, things maybe die down a little bit. You have the winter meetings. Of course, a lot happening then. And mm -hmm. Usually things kind of die down now. And then usually first of the year, I feel like that's when I start to get that itch. And, and all right, let's, let's get the season going. You feel the same way? I do. And, you know, we're reading all these stories on the Internet now. Well, you know, it looks like the Rangers are stronger and the Angels blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, they've, they've made some nice moves, but we're not to the end of the calendar year yet. We're about, what, halfway through the off season. Right. So it's uh, not the best time to analyze teams right now. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> and, and nobody has ever won a division, a pennant, or a World Series in December, January, or February. Which True. I think is easy to forget sometimes when you hear about the different moves and who's going where and who loses whom and who gains whom. So right. uh, certainly something to, to keep in mind. Well, I'm excited. I mean, I'm always excited to do these Astro yeah. Lines, presented by Carbark Brewing Company, but got a Hall of Famer with us tonight. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about with Jeff, and, uh, of course, the fans love him. We've already seen that display as he walked in the front door with his family, so it's going to be a great night for us. It probably. certainly is. I'd like to remind you, this year's Diamond Dreams Gala, presented by Chevron, takes place January 17th at Minute Maid Park. Get your tickets for the concert featuring Lionel Richie for only $50. Proceeds from the night's event benefit New Hope Housing and the Astros Foundation. Visit astros.com slash gala to get your tickets today. Ready to talk to Jeff Bagwell? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. We're going to do that coming up. Jeff Bagwell, Hall of Famer, Astros great, joining us up next. This is Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar and 1400 Shepherd and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. In 2019, the Houston Astros won an astounding 117 games. At, at Carbach, we're turning our attention to raise $117,000 for the Astros Foundation from proceeds of Crawford Bach. Crawford Bach is a delicious ballpark beer that's good for any time of year, and every single beer sold gives back to the Astros Foundation in support of their community initiatives. Carbach Brewing, crafted for serious fun. Ah, Florida. The warm sun is shining, and Astros Spring Training is back in the Palm Beaches this spring. Come experience Astros baseball, warm weather, and miles of pristine beaches all in one place. Visit astros.com spring to book your spring training trip. There's nothing like Astros spring ball in sunny Florida. Discover the Palm Beaches, the best way to experience Florida. Runner goes to third. Here's Oliver's throw in the dirt. Bagwell steals it. He's a 30-30 man. The first ever for the Houston Astros and the first full-time first baseman in Major League history to hit 30 or more homers and steal 30 or more bases. Bagwell taps it. Slowly hit. Tatis coming a long way and safe at first. Hit number 2,000 for Jeff Bagwell in the same place where Craig Biggio got his 2,000th two years ago on an infield hit. High drive to left field. Bagwell watches it go and this is number two of the game for him. Further out toward left center over the 379 side for number 20 and number 400 in his career. Now, earlier we were talking about Craig Biggio and round milestone numbers and you start thinking about the Hall of Fame. Obviously it's a fairly select group when you start talking about 400 home runs and a big ovation from the fans here in Cincinnati. And welcome back to Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar on 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston. Robert Ford joined by the men who called all of those plays we just heard, Bill Brown, and also joined by the man who 
who who did the action that led to those. Jeff Bagwell, Astros Hall of Famer and uh, Baseball Hall of Famer. Good to see you, Baggy. Good to see you. I was a little embarrassed by that 2000 hit. <laughs> Why were you embarrassed? <laughs> because because it, he said it's a topper down the third base line, which it was. So I pulled off something and I had to run hard. And I don't get many infield hits, but uh, it was the same as Biz. So that was kind of funny about yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Baggy, uh, you know, it's been so great to watch everything develop with you becoming a Hall of Famer. And now, as Robert said, an Astros Hall of Famer, too. And we're, we're looking at a lot of guys today who are putting up these huge numbers that, similar to what you did. But uh, things seem so different now. Is, is it that way with you as you watch the game compared to your era when you played? Well, yeah, the game's changed a ton in, in a lot of different areas, uh, mentally, physically. I mean, guys are bigger and stronger than they've ever been. Uh, guys are throwing harder than they usually do. Um, you see some big numbers. That, you know, the, the thing is, I, I am very much a, a, a thought of the home run is a little bit overrated. Uh, it's a nice stat. It looks good. Um, but there's more to hitting than just hitting home runs. And, you know, if you hit 30 home runs nowadays, probably it's what 20 used to be back in the early 90s. Uh, you still got 560 at-bats to do some different stuff. And I, I, I have a tough time with guys hitting 230 and stuff like that because I think they could be a little bit better than that. Now, if you look at our ball club, our guys are hitting in 290, 300. Our guys are doing a great job of that. They're good hitters. Uh, and if you look at the last three years, who the teams that have won the World Series with the Astros, the Red Sox, and also Washington, they led the league pretty much in batting average and the least amount of strikeouts. Uh, so I don't think that that's a coincidence. So uh, I think guys can put a little bit more effort into that. I'm proud of our club and what we do. Um, but all in all, man, I mean, guys throw hard, and the guys are big dudes. When I walk through the clubhouse in spring training, <laughs> I know they're looking down at me going, there's no way this dude hit all those home runs. But, uh, it, uh, it's, it's still a great game, and it's fun to watch. And, you know, to watch it from a different perspective that I have now as a fan and, you know, kind of being involved with the guys in the clubhouse and the coaching staff, it's, it's been a different thing, but it's been a lot of fun for me. Do you ever watch games, whether at the ballpark or on TV, and think, man, I don't know if I could have done the things that I did playing now, or do you look at it more like, man, I would have loved to have had this challenge? No, I'd have loved to have the challenge. <laughs> the strike zone is as small as it's ever been, so I like that fact. Um, you know, guys throw hard. Velocity was never a problem. And velocity in general, if you look throughout baseball, you know, if you take the 40s, 50s, and go on all, all the way up to right now where we get into 2020, people adjust to velocity. Yeah. Velocity is not the biggest thing in the entire world. The, the hardest part is velocity with command. And most guys that throw real hard right now don't have that much command. Nobody pitches in anymore, which that really that helps out a ton. I don't think pitchers really understand how hard it is to pull an inside fastball. If they did, guys would be in a lot of trouble with the velocity they have. But – you know, to watch baseball evolve from almost like a business as far as a player. Like, you know, when we, we went out, it was a business. You know, it was nine innings of we're going to win. And to watch now how it's changed to a lot of sh little bit of a showmanship. Um, I was such a big, not, excuse me, such not a big fan of that until I watched us in 17 play the Dodgers in the World Series. And I said, you know what? Go ahead, man. You guys have some fun out there. Enjoy it. Um, and, and I've kind of changed a little bit. I think sometimes it gets a little bit, you know, when guys are flipping bats and stuff like that when they're down by four runs. I mean, I don't, I don't really get into that too much. But, um, you know, the game's, the game's evolving. The game's, I wouldn't say it's totally getting better. 
um, as far as what's on the field, as far as what they do. But the athlete is better. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's I think it's an evolution where I think we're going to get back to guys hitting for a little bit more average. Um, maybe the strikeouts will go down a little bit, but that's just kind of what the way the game is right now. It's really different now uh, defensively for infielders. Yeah. You know, you don't see as many artistic double plays turned because of the shifts and things like that. But um, as a hitter, when you're coming to the plate and, and looking at that shift, as as pull hitters do every time now, it's a it's a totally different situation, isn't it? It is, and I think you know we talked about earlier, Brownie. It gets it kind of gets in guys' heads. Um, I don't think there's any excuse to keep grounding out the short. Um, I think you can make an adjustment as a hitter, but you have to you have to concentrate and do those kind of things. It can't be I'm just going to try and go deep. Well, as far as I, I know, even if you're right-handed, there's a fence in the right field too, so you can hit it out over there too, and that's what we try and get our guys to do because we got guys that can hit the ball out of all over the ballpark. Uh, the funny thing about shifts is there really isn't a third – there is a third baseman maybe a first baseman. Other than that, there's second baseman and shortstops. And even third, you know, Alex is playing short when he's still a third baseman. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, the, it's all changed. And the double play in general is a joke now. It's just a video game where you throw the ball to second base and you just throw it. Nobody can run into you or anything like that. I'm not Obviously, I'm not a big fan of that. I was taught when I came up, if you didn't take out the second baseman, you had a problem. I had to look at Ken Caminiti when I got back to the, to the dugout. But – that's part of the game has changed. Um, but guys move around so much, so the shortstop position and the second baseman, you know, Altuve could be playing, you know, 30 feet in the grass. Right. You know, 20 feet from the line. <laughs> you know, it's a different game like that. But, you know, if guys are going to keep not making the adjustments, that's what you're going to see. And I don't think that that's something that Major League Baseball needs to go, oh, you can't have a shift. Man, you got to be better than that. You, if you start hitting the ball all over, I don't see them shifting on Altuve too much. Mookie Betts, they don't shift. Guys that are hitting 300, they don't shift all that much. Uh, and, and that's a reason because they're better hitters. Would you, could you ever see laying a bunt down if someone shifted against you? Or would you just try and hit the ball the other way? Well, I definitely would try and hit the ball the other yeah. way. See, I'm right-handed, so it's a little bit different. So I, right. I would, you know, if I'm, if you're going to do that with runners in scoring position and you're going to give me that, I'm just going to hit a ground ball over there. You can throw as hard as you want. I can inside out a ball. Uh, and I think you see the best players in the game, the guys, when you see guys like Albert Pujols and Cabreras, and you saw Rendon do it in the playoffs where he hit a ground ball off a of JV on a slider over there. Uh, you, you can do those kind of things. And then you can take your chances every once in a while, and, you know, you can try and hit for power. But if you have a ballpark like ours, there's no real reason to pull the ball. I mean, you can hit the ball out anyway. You know, you can get a cheap one down in left, but you can get a kind of cheap one to right too. Sure. So I think that makes you a better hitter. And then once they move center field back into 409 instead of 436, man, everything's in play in that ballpark now. So and our guys will do – I think our guys are just growing. I think if George ever puts this thing together, I mean, it could be real ugly for other teams because he, he's so strong and so gifted. Correa's the same way, um, you know, so I, I'm just happy for our guys and I'm proud of our guys for consistently having a game plan up there and executing it. Bregman had such a monster year. Do you see him continuing at that level? Yeah, go ahead and tell him he can't do it. You know, Alex is one of those guys, you tell Alex he can't do something, he's going to do it. Um, he is so mentally tough. Uh, he thinks very highly of himself in a good way. You know, Alex has got that. He's got that edge to him, uh, which makes him different. He, I would have loved to have had a chance to play with Alex. I think, you know, he lives and dies with baseball. He's very smart. Um, you know, he, he knows his swing, which is a tremendous swing. His swing, the way it is, with the, how short he is from bat to ball, uh, he's never going to struggle that bad. I think you're going to see Alex hit 300 this year coming up. 
um, you know, and continue to be that guy that nobody wants to see up when there's runners in scoring position except us. At getting to know Alex Bregman, not just how he plays. I mean, we all see how he plays, but getting to know him like you have, like Brownie and I have, is there anybody you played with or that you played against that he reminds you of in that regard? You know, you know, I don't know because Alex, you know, he does everything right, and it's my job to make sure he does everything right. Otherwise, <laughs> I get after him. But, you know, he's a lot like, you know, he plays like Bish, plays every, every game as hard as he can. He grinds it out. Um, he doesn't give a bats away. Um, you know, I wouldn't say there's one player like that. You know, he's just, you know, when he first started playing third base, he wasn't that great. He's made himself into a great gold glove third baseman. Mm -hmm. Nobody makes the play running in better than him. I mean, everything he does, he continues to get better. Uh, and that's all you, you're trying to do in this game is just to get better every year. Nobody's ever, uh, nobody's ever been perfect, as far as I know. Nobody's hit 1,000. You know, everybody makes errors and stuff like that. But Alex continually works and grinds it out to be better every single day. And, and that's the kind of guy that, that I want to play, be a teammate, or I want a guy that plays for my hometown team. Being in the Hall of Fame now, as you look at each year's class, and obviously there are shoe-ins like Derek Jeter, but what, what are your standards for a Hall of Fame position player as you look at guys now? Yeah, you know, and I, I got to keep my mouth shut a lot of times on that because it's not really my decision or anything like that. But I feel like, you know, a Hall of Famer needs to do everything right and everything better than most. Um, you got to be able to be a good defensive player. You got to be able to hit. You got to be able to drive guys in. You got to be able to score runs. You got to be able to run the bases. You got to be able to do all those things better than everybody else. Where you walk out on the field or say I'm in the dugout or I'm in the stands and I watch this guy walk out there and go, wow, that guy's just different than everybody else. Um, and that's what I see. Uh, I'll take this because it's easy is Mike Trout. Yeah. If you take the uniform off and put everybody in just say all black and throw them out on the field and watch them, watch them all walk around for two minutes, you will go, who's that guy? You just know. Uh, and I just think that's what the Hall of Famers should be. And I don't know if I was one of them. I mean, numbers are numbers, but it's just how, how does a guy beat you? Does he beat you every day? You know, and I, I've told Correa that. You want to be an MVP? You're not going to be – you're not going to hit. You know, when Altuve wanted – he said he wanted to be an MVP. I said, well, here's the deal. I said, you have to – you know, you're not going to hit two homers every day. But so be the best defensive shortstop out there. Run the bases. Score a run. Steal a base. Do something out there that makes your team better every day. And that's what MVPs do, and that's what Hall of Famers do. You know, talking about the Hall of Fame, uh, I want to bring up something that Jason Stark uh, said in his column. He wrote, a, you know, writes for the Athletic. He was honored with the Good Spink guy. Award. Yeah, great, great guy, great sports writer. Honored with the Spink Award uh, by the Hall of Fame this summer. Uh, and he relayed a conversation he had with you before he was going to speak because the writers and broadcasters who get honored also give a speech. And uh, Jason Stark, apparently, he, he says, he said to you, I'll be honest, I, I'm having a hard time convincing myself I'm worthy of being in that room. And you said to him, I feel the same way. And he goes, you don't feel worthy of being in that room? You remember you're a Hall of Famer, right? And you said, according to Jason Stark, yeah, but I don't feel like I'm a Hall of Famer the way those guys or Hall yeah. of Famers. Is it still kind of hard for you for, for it to sink in that, that you're with this that group? It does. You know, and, and every once in a while I go back and kind of look at other guys' stats and my stats, and I, and I feel like, okay, I, I do belong here. Um, but still, I mean, it's, you know, when you, when you walk in the room and you see Sandy Koufax and, you know, you see Bob Gibson uh, before, obviously, he, he had that problem. Bob Gibson was hilarious right. to me. Um, you know, when you see guys like that, it's kind of like a different feel. Like, 
like what am i doing here um but then as it, you know then you start to get the human element when you start having dinner with these guys and you know they're down and we're all talking and stuff like that then it becomes it's baseball again and then you start to feel like you're part of the group and um you know it took a little bit the first year is always the toughest year because you kind of like you know they're looking at you like oh, i don't know if he deserves to be here and all that kind of stuff <laughs> until they kind of see stuff and then they go okay maybe he does so um but jason is he's such a good guy and he's one of the good guys and i, I really um you know i called him when he got in and i just told him that he's one he's i was so happy for him because he's just one of the good guys he knows his stuff um he prepares and he's a good guy so it it's always when you first get in you, you always feel like you're unworthy but then you kind of look around and say hey man i deserve to be here baggy uh, as you look at this club and, and we know there's going to be a catcher at some point yeah. that's going to join the astros team but uh losing garrett cole is difficult yeah uh, what do you see in this team we've talked about the regulars as far as the pitching say you get a guy who's uh maybe number three starter you feel good about that and, and a catcher yeah well we're getting mccullers back and if you forgot about mccullers uh he's got everything you can want and he can be anywhere from a three to a one uh depending on his mindset you know he throws 95 96 he's got a great changeup, and everybody knows how good his breaking ball is um and if he's on uh and he limits the amount of pitches he throws per at bat He's a guy that can go seven innings at 10 punch outs and no runs very easily. So that's coming back for us. You know, hopefully he's healthy. He sounds great. He did all his rehab. I talked to him throughout the year. Um, that's going to help a ton. Um, you know, we got Granky and we got Verlander. I mean, Verlander just won the Cy Young. Let's not forget that. The year before, he came in second. So, I mean, he's great um, to watch what he's done at his age and to know his story about how hard he's worked to get where he was. It's inspirational. It really is. Uh, and there's some guys that, that we don't know about yet. You know, we've been talking about Whitley forever. So it's time for Whitley to show what he's got. Uh, we got some other guys. We saw that kid Abreu come up. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's 96, 97, and it's easy 96, 97 with a great breaking ball. So he kind of reminds me a little bit of McCullers. So he, he will get the same kind of lecture, too, about you got to use your fastball in order that you don't have to throw five breaking balls in any. Excuse me, at back. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's other guys, though. I mean, you know, Urquidy did a great job. You know what? And Urquidy, man, he is not scared. And when he was going to start, you know, I was telling my wife the whole time, I said, man, I'm, I'm cool with this because he's not scared. He's out there and he pitches. He ain't, he's not afraid of anybody. Loses his fastball in and out. So we got some weapons that we can use in our bullpen. We already got seven and eighth inning down. Excuse me, eight and ninth inning down. Mm -hmm. You know, Presley not being healthy last year hurt us a lot. It did. I say that, but we pitched well enough to win we just flat out didn't hit i right. mean we didn't yeah. hit through the entire playoffs we had like two more hits than the yankees they happened to be three run homers mm -hmm. you know and you know we, the only time we played real well was in washington mm -hmm. other than that man we didn't hit uh which is surprising for our ball club and um with the, with the lineup that we have and with the back end of our bullpen and our starters one through three and we we find out about whitney abreu or kitty um there's a couple other young kids that are coming up. I mean, that's part of the process of baseball. It's not always going to be. You're not always going to have Cole, Verlander, Grankies, and stuff like that. You, the guys are going to leave. Un, you know, unfortunately and fortunately, great guys, great players get paid. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can't have all those guys. 
All right, we'll have more with Hall of Famer Jeff Bagwell coming up here in just a moment. I'd like to remind you that 2020 Astros season tickets are on sale now. Enjoy some of the best seats and exclusive benefits throughout the season at Minute Maid Park. For tickets and more information, visit Astros.com slash season tickets or call 1-877-9-ASTROS today. Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company continues live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd, right after this on the Houston Astros Radio Network. In 2019, the Houston Astros won an astounding 117 games. Hits it in the left center field, and that's going to get down for a base hit. Astros win it in the bottom of the ninth. Another series win for the Astros at Minute Maid. At Carbock, we're turning our attention to raise $117,000 for the Astros Foundation from proceeds of Crawford Bach. Crawford Bach is a delicious ballpark beer that's good for any time of year, and every single beer sold gives back to the Astros Foundation in support of their community initiatives. Carbock Brewing, crafted for serious fun. Ah, Florida. The warm sun is shining and Astros spring training is back in the Palm Beaches this spring. Come experience Astros baseball, warm weather, and miles of pristine beaches all in one place. Visit astros.com spring to book your spring training trip. There's nothing like Astros spring ball in sunny Florida. Discover the Palm Beaches, the best way to experience Florida. And welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston. Come out and see us. Uh, Robert Ford, Bill Brown, joined by Hall of Famer Jeff Bagwell and uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2017. Took way too long, but that's another story. Uh, we were talking last segment and during the break as well about some of the, you know, getting to know some of the, these Hall of Famers. Obviously, some of the guys you already knew from having played with them or against them, but uh, quite a few guys uh, that, that I'm sure you, you really kind of got to know really for the first time getting inducted and then going back to Cooperstown uh, after being inducted. And you were, you were telling me about Bob Gibson. Yeah, you know, people that know Bob Gibson, he has this history of throwing at people and right. all that, you know, being a tough guy and all that. So it was my first year, and – Ozzie Smith goes, hey, Baggy, come here. I want to introduce you to somebody. I said, yeah. So I walked over there. He goes, he walks me over, and I'm Bob Gibson sitting down. He goes, this is Bob Gibson. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I know. He looks up at me and goes, I'd have got you out of that crouch. And I said, yes, sir, I'm sure you would have. <laughs> uh, so that, that was entertaining. But, um, you know, the, all those guys, I mean, there's, there's just some – it's so much different. I, I think the biggest thing about the Hall of Fame is when you go there – the egos are kind of checked at the door and everybody's just kind of the same. You know, you're in this one club uh, together and I, and I think that you just don't see, and if you do have an ego, they're going to break you down real quick. And so the first, after you do the ceremony, you take a picture. Oh, I'll tell you this story too. This is one good story. Mm -hmm. So after you, after you inducted, you know, you do your speech, then you have to go back to the hotel and you take this big picture with all the Hall of Famers out on the lawn. And, you know, it's like 85 degrees out, which is kind of warm. And so after I did mine, they asked me, there's some people from Houston, can you go talk to the media and stuff like that? For us? So I went across the street, talked to some. I found I get back and there's a lot of traffic. So I get in to the hotel and I'm standing up there waiting. And they're like, no, they're waiting for you down on the, sta on the stage. So I'm like, oh, God. So I walk out these two doors on the second level. I open the door and they're all out there standing on the... Ooh. There's four rows of Hall of Famers out there waiting on me. 
And so I got to go out the door and then down the steps. And they started on me as soon as I got out the door. So I'm walking down and I'm trying. They're yelling at me. I can't even say what they're saying. But the biggest one was Frank Robinson. He was destroying me, calling me every name in the book. They're all like, oh, yeah, you think you're a freaking base dealer and all that? You need to run on over here and all that. And so I get next to Frank, and I walk, I step up one because there was a spot, and he goes, where the heck do you think you're going? He goes, get your down here. Like that. And I'm like, I was like, I was horrified. It's like being a rookie again. Yeah, but other than that, they're great guys, and it's, it's fun to go because um, everybody's equal. You think you'll go every year? I should, yeah. I don't, I don't have any plans not to go. So it's the toughest Hall of Fame of all the sports. It is. Who would be high on your list now to go in soon? Soon? Yeah. Well, you know, once again, I don't, I don't try. I, you know what I'm disappointed at? And I don't have no problem saying this. I, I don't understand why Billy Wagner and Jeff Kent don't get more votes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeff Kent has 1,500 RBIs as a second baseman. Yeah. And you can say all you want. He caught everything hit at him. He turned a good double play. And let me tell you, he's the top, one of the top three hitters I've ever played with. Mm-hmm. Lance Berkman, Moises Alou, and Jeff Kent, uh, who consistently never gave away at bats and hit everybody. Uh, he gets no votes. Billy Wagner was dominating. Brownie, yep. you saw him. You, I don't understand You guys understand have seen that. him. I yeah. mean, dominating. I do not get that at and all. And Billy walked away from the game. Yeah. Uh, and I know they're my ex-teammates, but I just think I've seen some guys that are in there, and I've watched Billy Wagner pitch and Jeff Kent play, and I don't see why they get 10% of the vote. That doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, you got guys that are, you know, obviously Albert's going to walk into the Hall of Fame. Uh, you got Cabrera, who's already Hall of Famer. Obviously Trout. You know, you got, um, you know, Kershaw and Scherzer and guys like that. Uh, as far as the other guys coming up, I mean, I don't know. They talk about Larry Walker a lot. Um, Larry Walker, you want to talk about a five-tool player. Yeah. He, he could do everything. Uh, he was different out there. He really was. You know, a guy that hit with, you know, and I know Colorado's Colorado, but he hit a ball past Biz would die for, and he'd have a double. You don't see guys doing that, right. especially as big as Larry Walker is. Uh, he was a great player. I don't know how that's all going to work out. And you never know with those sports writers and all that, and they've made some adjustments and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. uh, there's some great players out there. And, uh, you know, obviously Jeter this year will be a – it'll be crazy up there for the New Yorkers and stuff like that. So it'll be all fun to watch. Was there a point in your career, and I know sports writers, especially latter part of your career, I'm sure they asked you, you know, hey, Hall of Fame, you have great numbers, what do you think? Was there ever any point in your career where you were playing when you thought to yourself, hey, this, I might, this may happen, I may be, able to, may be able to do this, I'm a Hall of Famer? You know, I don't know. I mean, I know numbers are a big thing. Um, I know what I had expectations of myself, what I felt like I needed to do every year. I was trying to hit 300, I was trying to drive in 100, score 100. You know, walks happen, um, stuff like that. Uh, but I think the last three and a half years of my career, when I played, I mean, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't play hurt. I played injured. Uh, I had no reason being out there, but I was good enough to, to do what I had to do. And luckily, I played first base. But that took a lot of the the fun and the, you know, we we were winning, so that helped. But that took a lot of it out of me. Because it was a grind. I mean, I, I literally every single day to throw a baseball and hit and to watch watch my abilities diminish when my mind was not diminished. Uh, that was kind of tough on me. So I don't know if I, I dwelled on it too much. I guess after you're done, then you kind of look back and everybody talks about it and stuff like that. So, um, 
I don't know quite the answer to it. I mean, I know what my numbers were, and I know how I played, and that really. And at the end of the day, there's nothing I can, anything I can do about that stuff. Right. That, that is, I did what I did, and if that was good enough, it's good enough. If it's not, it's not. And you know that doesn't define me as a person. Uh, what defines me, you know, is is my kids and my wife and how I am um, as a person. With the analytics taking over the game today, uh, players are being rested systematically more than in your era. Yeah. Do you think that leads to a more productive player to get more days off during the season? Nope, I don't. Um, I think one of the beauties of baseball is playing every day, because you get to you get to kind of redeem yourself, and you get you get humbled. You know, you go four for four, the next day you go over four with four strikeouts. Uh, I think there are times. Um, do I think that you need to play every day? Do I? Uh, no. But do I think it makes you better? I'm not sure about that. And I don't know. Put it that way. I played every day. I mean, I remember when I got I had surgery. The next year I played 161 games. I didn't even know that. And I looked back and I saw it and I said, well, who the heck played me for 161 games? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't throw the ball 90 feet. Um, but I think um, we've been very fortunate as a ball club, the Astros, because we've been so good that we've had such a big lead where we can rest guys. The thing that I worry about, what bothers me a little bit is there's a lot of guys they don't play if something's not perfect and I, I well, after spring after day one of spring training you're never perfect mm-hmm. um, and I just think there's something to it I've told George this before I said George when number four walks out of that dugout that means something it means something to your teammates and it means something to the team across the way because they go oh, he's going to be leading off here at some point here uh, it just means something for guys to have out there. We're fortunate that we're a team with a bunch of stars that we can kind of mix guys in and out and give guys. But I do, you know, and, I, and I'm talking all this and I'm thinking why I'm talking. I'm thinking about being an extra guy when I when I got hurt. It's important for guys to get at bats. It, it really is. But it's tough when you get in at bat. Like Dave Clark, got, he's he got to play when Kerry Wood pitched against us. <laughs> yeah, true. You know, and then you go two weeks without playing. So there are certain times where guys need to play, and I do get that. And I probably was wrong when I said that. As Like I said, I'm thinking to myself, it's important for guys to get at bats because eventually those at bats will help you in a certain situation. Because when you're a pinch hitter, you get one at bat. And generally, that one at-bat is the biggest at-bat of the game. So you better have some sort of feel and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's something that I, I'm very blessed that I got an opportunity to do that, to see the other side of the game. So I think that is important. But when you have your certain main guys and they're out there every day, it means something. It, it really does. Um, so I don't know. I think I just went all around in a circle right there. But You covered all the bases. I think I did, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, like you did 449 times in your yeah. career. Covered all the bases. <laughs> Well, Jeff Bagwell, always good to see you. Really glad you were you were able to join us, especially I know this can be a tough time of year, holidays and, and everything. Uh, always good to see you. Glad you're Thank you for having me. in Houston yes. still. Yep. Made this your home. It's my home. You were a Houstonian, uh, and I know that means a lot, not just to us, but to a lot of Astros fans and a lot of people who maybe didn't even follow the Astros but, but know about you. So thank Thanks, you so brother. much. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Thanks for the memories. Thank you, buddy. Absolutely. Hall of Famer Jeff Bagwell joining us on Astro Line. Coming up in a little bit, we're going to hear from Joe Smith, Astros reliever, re-signed with the club for two years. We'll hear from Joe over the phone coming up as we continue on Astro Line, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, live from Plucker's Wing Bar and 1400 Shepherd, and on the Houston Astros radio network. In 2019, the Houston Astros won an astounding 117 games. Another series win for the Astros. 
Astros at Minute Maid. At Carbach, we're turning our attention to raise $117,000 for the Astros Foundation from proceeds of Crawford Bach. Crawford Bach is a delicious ballpark beer that's good for any time of year, and every single beer sold gives back to the Astros Foundation in support of their community initiatives. Carbach Brewing, crafted for serious fun. Ah, Florida. The warm sun is shining, and Astros Spring Training is back in the Palm Beaches this spring. Come experience Astros baseball, warm weather, and miles of pristine beaches all in one place. Visit astros.com slash spring to book your spring training trip. There's nothing like Astros spring ball in sunny Florida. Discover the Palm Beaches, the best way to experience Florida. Game two of the ALCS. Yankees lead this series one game to none. This game tied at two. And Joe Smith now on the pitch, 2-1. And that's grounded sharply, fielded by Gurriel, who was guarding the line. He's got it and takes it to first. One away. And that's popped up. Third base side foul ground. Bregman only one on that side. Racing over has room. Makes the catch on the run. Excellent job by Bregman. First pitch. That's bounced softly. Fielded by Smith to the right of the mound. Jogs part of the way to first. Underhands to Gurriel. And it's a 1 2 3 inning for Joe Smith. Astros bullpen has not allowed a hit tonight. And welcome back to Astro Line presented by Pluckers Brewing Company. Coming to you live, or from presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston. So glad you could join us. So glad we had Jeff Bagwell on with us just a moment ago. As Robert Ford here with Bill Brown. And we're pleased to be joined by another special guest joining us uh, on the phone. Uh, the uh, You can't really say newest Astro because he's returning, but the, the newest Astro signee coming back uh, on a two-year deal, uh, Astros reliever Joe Smith. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, and so glad you're, you're back with the Astros. Thanks, Robert. Hey, Joe. How you guys doing? Hey, Joe. We're doing great. Hey, how's everything with you and Allie? Well, she's been home one day this month, so she's running around like crazy. But uh, I've been able to get back home and just, you know, trying to get settled. When you play that extra month, you just you don't realize what all you miss and trying to see people and all that. And next thing you know, it's like we're a month out and spring going to be <laughs> So I know you're, you're thrilled to, to be back with the Astros. Uh, uh, Brian McTaggart of MLB or Allison Footer of MLB.com had a really good article about uh, – you know, for you, it wasn't just about, obviously, the baseball part of it, but it, it was about more than that because you, you've really, you and your wife, Allie, have really formed a connection uh, uh, here in Houston, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been unbelievable. The Astros family has been phenomenal uh, to my wife and I, and, you know, there's so many good things that are happening off the field in that clubhouse, and, you know, to be a part of that and to get our foundation rolling down there, you know, the city and and the people that support us have been unbelievable. And then on top of our foundation, um, you know, my wife's going through the same process. So um, with all the doctors, everything down there, it's just, I mean, we love it. Um, it was amazing. We didn't know what to think coming in, but, I mean, it's just been its been an unbelievable experience, and we're, and we're excited and thrilled to come back and for two more. Joe, what a difference in a year for you. A year ago, things were totally different for you than they are now. Yeah, I was on crushes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, it was weird, man. It was, uh, I, you know, knock on wood, that's been the only injury since when I was 16 that's knocked me out of something for, that, for a lengthy period of time. Um, when I tore that Achilles, you know, obviously – 
you know, there's a bunch of ways to look at it. We were going to be really good. I was going in the last year of my contract. You know, we I had no idea what to expect. And then, you know, knowing how long that rehab process is, um, you know, it, it was – it was tough. There was a lot of stuff going through it. But, you know, I think when I got around the guys down there in spring training and was able to sit and watch, um, you know, the guys are what inspired me. Because when you watch us play every day, you know, it's the same energy from April as it was in October, like the same amount of focus. He's, you know, these guys, we got a bunch of young superstars and they don't take plays off. And, and when you when you're around that when you're around that vibe, like you you just want to be a part of it. And, you know, every day when I'd go in for rehab, like you know that was the driving force behind it. And um, fortunately, you know, we were able to get this thing on the mend in the right direction. And I was, you know, it actually helped me having some time off and actually focusing on the things I needed to focus on to pitch a lot better. You know, there were some things we wanted to tweak and, you know, some tweaks take a little bit longer than others. And um, I was able to start throwing around March and really focus on some things that needed to be addressed. And and it paid off, you know, in the second half and in the playoffs. You know, you talk about the coming back from the Achilles injury came back uh, mid-July and you know were fantastic during the, the regular season great during the the postseason didn't allow a run in eight of your ten postseason appearances this past October uh, how good did it feel to come back from what you did and have the year you had and also to be a major contributor for a team that 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 played in the World Series yeah I mean it's hard to explain it's uh, you know I mean I, I didn't, when I when that happened when that injury happened last December you know I didn't know um, I didn't know if that was it, if I was done, if I was able to come back, if, you know, if I had to play another position, I, you know, I might've missed the whole year. Um, but fortunately it was, I was able to pitch, but I mean, there was a lot of emotion going through it, a lot of different thoughts going through my head. And, you know, it's so cliche that, you know, you can only control what you can control, but every day you just put the focus in on, you know, going in there, getting my work done, making sure we're doing things the right way and go about it the right way. And, you know, you, you work hard and you do the things and you just hope at the end, you're, you know, you're prepared. And, um, I mean, it was a, <laughs> that was a long stretch of showing up to the field every day to work out and rehab and knowing you're not going to play. And, and uh, But, I mean, I, obviously knowing that we could do something – you know, special with that season, just getting back, being a part of it. Um, it was, man, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Joe, that's one of the most difficult injuries in sports, the Achilles tendon. It's probably more common in basketball, but but nonetheless, that, as you said, you know, if you had been a position player, it might have been a totally different deal. But how nice was it to, to have the club in a good position so that you didn't feel that you had to rush yourself back because your club was eight or nine games behind or something like that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, our you know our club was, was outstanding last year, and it, and we're going to be really good again this year. And you know, that's one thing. You know, we've had other people go down for months at a time, and, and our depth allows us to be able to pick up for it. You know, and it, it's been crazy. You know, it's good. You get to see some of the younger guys step up, kind of see what they got, and, and know what you got moving forward. Um, 
but it's tough sitting there, you know, watching and people pitching, and you're like, yep, this is my situation. And then when the game, when, you know, something happens and we lose out on a situation that you feel like you should be in, you almost feel twice as bad, you know, just because you're not an option and, and, you know, you can't even play, much less try to get the outs, you know, that I would normally be getting. So, it was a it was a roller coaster ride for those for those five or six months. So now you're in the off season, health, healthy off season. Fortunately, uh, how is your off season going? And uh, what what have what have you been up to since uh, since since the the World Series ended? Oh man, um, you know, trying to get back home, see the family. Um, took a couple weeks off, and then you know, just before just after Thanksgiving, we started back up again. You know. I'm, Still going in for the, you know, the Achilles is a year-long rehab, you know, and we were able to get six months of good work in, and then it was time to focus on playing. Um, But, you know, there's still a lot of strides that I got to make moving forward, and we've continued on that. Now, obviously, coming back, it makes everything easier when I get to talk to, like, Jeremiah Randall and Sam Bell or athletic trainers about, okay, like, you know, what am I doing at home with, with the doctors and the PTs here that, you know, so when I come into spring training, we just hit the ground running and it's, you know, not one thing here, one thing there, kind of a mess. So having the ability to come back and everybody be on the same page and talk, I think, you know, I'm going to come back strong. I feel good and uh, just started throwing the other day and, you know, we're just trying to get there and get down to some warm weather in florida here soon because it's snow we got snow on the ground up here mm, we know what that is robert <laughs> <laughs> that's why i live in houston yeah joe um certainly it was a big move when you rejoined the bullpen now we don't know about will harris and where things stand there but it, it's a it's a work in progress of course at this time of the off season. but um you know jeff bagwell was mentioning abreu let's let's get your thoughts about the young guys that you saw last season who might make an impact if they get a chance in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely Abreu's got to probably be the first one that comes out of your mouth. Um, I thought, you know, he comes up, he's got electric stuff, he's not scared. And, you know, even when I was going through the rehab process in the minor leagues, I remember seeing him in double A, and he was, you know, kind of the, the Latin guy that would corral everybody, speak Spanish and English. So, you know, I know Omar and them relied on him to communicate a lot of the stuff that they were saying um, to the other Latin guys and stuff. So he's, been, he's had a little bit more on his plate than, hey, just go get some outs, you know, um, which I think is good. He kind of developed in a leadership role. Um, he, I, he's, he's really impressive, you know, and, and he threw the ball well. And, I mean, heck, I think he was even considered for some of the playoff rosters, um, you know, down the line. Oh, he made one. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, the kid's got a really bright future. He's a hard worker, uh, you know. And then we'll, we'll kind of see, you know, Jose Urquidy obviously doing what he did last year, stepping up for us. That was huge. And then um, – Obviously, the World Series game in Washington, I mean, wow. Like, it was funny. Everybody was kind of doubting him in the papers and stuff. But I don't think any of us I, – I wasn't worried about him. I, I was like, this kid's got rest. Like, he's going to come back out guns a-blazing. And, and, man, he looked really good. You know, the moment wasn't too big for him. And, 
you know, that's what we need. That's the next step in development, right? It's one thing to do it in the in the minor leagues, and then when you get to the big leagues, you don't really know, you know, what's going to happen, how they're going to think, how they're going to handle the pressure. But you know, it's these guys stepping up in the regular season for us, and then doing it again in the postseason. I mean, it just gives you a, so much more confidence in them. All right. Well, Joe Smith, thank you so much for joining us. As we we wrap up this interview. You know, we're we have we're the Pluckers Wing Bar Sports Bar here in Houston, and on one of the TVs, the NBA on TNT is about to show, and so uh, we're going to see your wife Allie LaForce here pretty soon, I would imagine, huh? Oh yeah, she'll be on there. She's doing the <laughs> uh, the Bucks game. I, for for the life of me, I can't remember who they play. But... The, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, I'm going to turn that on and see Giannis. I like I like watching that guy, man. That guy can wow. He's good, and he keeps getting better every year. He's fun to watch. Tremendous athlete. Joe Smith, good luck with the rest of your offseason. Look forward to seeing you in spring training. I'd like to remind you, 2020 memberships for the official Astros Kids Club are now on sale for 30 bucks. Astros Buddies memberships presented by BBVA include a backpack, socks, hat, lanyard, plus tickets to select Astros games. Astros Buddies Club, the perfect stocking stuffer. Go to astros.com slash buddies now. Bill Brown, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Robert. Great to work with you again. Always great to work with you, Brownie. Thanks to Jeff Bagwell. Thanks also to Joe Smith joining us over the phone. And thanks, of course, to producer-engineer Matt Bolt, studio producer Bob Elliott as well. Next Astro Line is in 2020. January 9th is our next show here from Plucker's Wing Bar, 6 p.m. So make sure you come out and see us or listen to us. You've been listening to Astro Line presented by Carbach Brewing Company live from Plucker's Wing Bar on the Houston Astros Radio Network. You've been listening to Sports Talk 790 Astro Line, the Astros of official off-season show presented by Carbock Brewing Company Astro Line on Sports Talk 790 home of the Strohs. Oh,